This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Yes, yes, that's right. The huge soda of YouTube, Kim McAllister. <laughs> you sound very low. Is it me or is it you this morning? It might be you. It might be mm. me. Let's see. Is that better? Do I sound normal? Well, define normal. You know what? Well, you asked. You guys today coming at me from all sides. I just said you were a huge soda. That That's a good thing, right? That's the Michael yes. Shore. You're uh, yeah. OK. Were you paying attention or were you yeah. texting in class? I was I was paying attention yesterday on the after party live. If we could go back to yesterday <laughs> at the end of every show, John and I hang out for a minute and we talk about the best segment from the show to make into well, a short video. I mean, if there was a best segment. If there, if there was one. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. And then John will pull it and put it on YouTube. And, and you know, it, it sometimes we'll have, we'll go far and wide and get some more subscribers and such. So yesterday we couldn't figure out which one. We, how we were down to two. It was right. either the new electric vehicle designed with no back window, yeah. which I found really interesting, but I didn't think it would get a lot of clicks. But still, I voted for that one just because it was fascinating to me. Right. And you voted for the monster goldfish story, the world setting yeah. largest goldfish. People like big things, like huge soda, huge goldfish. <laughs> That's right. And so we decided yesterday to pull both of them and make uh, shorts out of both of them and put them head to head and see what happened. Right. And you want to share um, the results? Yeah, you thought you thought monster goldfish was going to get it, right? Mm -hmm, I did. And I actually, even though I didn't, it wasn't mine. I didn't pick it, but I thought you'd probably win. Yeah, you didn't pick it, so you went with yeah. uh, you went with Polestar, and mm -hmm. um, and I went with Goldfish. What I realized after the fact, because it's always easy with hindsight, is that people are really into electric cars and mm -hmm. uh, Polestar and Tesla and EVs, and so I was wrong, and you were right. <laughs> wow, it doesn't happen very often. That's like a, a that's a once in a lifetime anomaly that we just had. This one that's moment. Not, that's that's, not that's true. it. That's It'll not never true, happen but Monster again. Monster Goldfish is currently at four hundred and forty nine <laughs> views, mm -hmm. and Polestar, the electric vehicle, is at one thousand two hundred and sixty one. Wow. Yeah, one thousand two hundred sixty one. Not only mm -hmm. that, the Monster Goldfish uh, gained us one subscriber. Yeah. And the Polestar video gained us nine new subscribers. Wow. Okay. So between the two, we have. 10 more subscribers. Okay. We yeah. like it. We'll take, we'll take, we'll take new, 10 new subscribers. Welcome to the After They're Party Live. Organically grown on our small little farm. Uh, <laughs> tender care. That's good. One animal story at a time. One animal story, an odd news story at a time. Did we'll you bring see, you in. Um, I forget. Uh, mm. Forgive me if you're in the chat right now. Somebody uh, during Friday Fabulous Florida, uh, right at the end when I mentioned the After Party Live, they said they liked this show because it's a nice balance between John trying to have fun and Kim uh, with her yard duty uh, attitude. <laughs> I have a, do I have a yard duty attitude? Or yard duty mentality. Oh. Like you're trying to get through everything, I guess. I thought that was kind of funny. My heart breaks. Oh. Am I the yard duty? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to give you, well, maybe you need a whistle. You know, chit, chit, chit. <sighs> I want to be the fun one. How come I can't be the fun one? I don't know. Mm. It's your personality, Kim. I protest. <laughs> uh, you, can, Walter, you can be fun if you want to. I know you can be fun. Walter likes fun. the goldfish bigly. Okay. Ah, uh, there we go. Mm -hmm. It is gold. Yeah. Like well, a, a, a previous president or orange. Um, you know, you guys also, if you ever want to weigh in on that and say, you know, which segment you like the best for the short. Oh, I thought you meant whether or not we were entertaining. And that too. <laughs> Feel free to put it in the bottom of the chat. You suck. Also, yes, I agree, Vanessa. Poor Kim. Everyone is picking on her today. That's but right. Stop if picking you on Kim. Along, I compliment Kim more than I tease her, and I only tease the people I love. So, you know what? That's really nice that you say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel like I'm not the fun one now. I'm sad for the show. This is going to be a sad Friday show. What's going to happen? Julie says Kim's the glue. Oh, thanks, Julie. So you're like the hooves. The hooves of the I'm like the solid, stable glue, but I'm not the fun <laughs> one. Like, make it out of hooves? Made if she had said Kim's the fun glue, then maybe it would be. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Julie. Thank uh, you. Ricky that. says, nice, safe. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of practice. 
let us move on. We're going to yeah, ju- see now I am a yard duty. We're going to jump right into the show. We need to get you a whistle. Maybe that's our next drop. <laughs> Here we go. A moose chases skiers at a Wyoming resort. A moose well, on the loose? That has to be scary. There's a moose on the loose. This moose was caught on camera chasing skiers down the ski slope. Ken Reinerson posted a video to his Facebook page showing the moose that pursued him and several other skiers at the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort in Teton Village. He said, I did not have a moose chasing us down the mountain on my bingo card. That is not what I thought was going to happen here. The footage shows the moose chasing the skiers before turning and then going on a different run. And I think we have video of it. Let's take a yeah, look at this one. Um, let's see if our friends at Good Morning America will demonetize us. Oh, Check this out. It's possible. Oh. This was the moment a massive moose came barreling down the slopes. Unbelievable. Headed straight for a group of skiers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I caught a little bit of air and the moose was within 10 feet of me. Bill Foey was with his friends Alex and Kenny when the moose started to close in. I was moving pretty fast. I mean, I was on both edges of my snowboard moving with that moose. And at one point, he says the bull bolted for Kenny. Go, Ken! Go faster! Others calling out to warn him. Go faster! The skiers weaving downhill to avoid a dangerous collision. The moose eventually veering off and Bill still in disbelief. In, in the moment, more surprised. Um, knowing that those types of animals can be very aggressive, especially out in the wild. Experts say these animals, which can weigh up to 1,500 pounds and stand about seven feet tall, are extremely territorial. When charging, they can reach speeds up to 35 miles per hour. It can be scary. It can feel dangerous. It can feel threatening and aggressive. But usually moose are reacting defensively to the situation that they're in. And again, it's not uncommon in areas where you have people recreating, especially even in big groups in these areas that moose are spending the whole winter in and getting their food there. Okay, so listen up. So if you find yourself face to face with the moose, experts say the best thing to do is give them plenty of space, 25 yards. That's about two school buses worth of distance. If they're charging, well, you want to hide behind a tree or something solid. And if it knocks you down, curl into a ball and, of course, protect your head. But that is one way to get down a mountain right there. Yeah, yeah. take the guy's advice. Go <laughs> yeah, faster. Go faster. <laughs> no, <laughs> it had to be a pretty like. good skier. I know, big, but they can move. They can move. Ooh, 35 miles per hour. Did wow. you ever imagine to be telling people what they should do if they're facing <laughs> No, <laughs> you know, this this is what I went to journalism school for, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, speaking I of journalism school, do you notice yeah. that, um, you know, she's like lively and bubbly, like when yeah. they're live, but every single ABC news reporter, when they file a story, they get very somber. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when a moose chases you down the hill. I'm <laughs> Alex Stone. They all go to like ABC dramatic presentation school. Yeah. I did not realize that moose, mooses, were Mooses. so aggressive and i wonder what happens if they catch you uh well then uh it's do they moose bite and you squirrel. it's mer- moose and squirrel they go after the russian spies right i guess so oh yeah, mama Walter. day three boys says i am the fun one yeah. thank you um that's okay <laughs> i'm i'm uh i'm okay with that um <laughs> you are fun just in a different way yeah, you're like a mom. You're like a what? little more. Uh, so no, cho- choose your uh-uh. words correctly. We're gonna go choose right back to correctly. Mama Day Three Boys, and she- we're gonna cancel your comment. Come on, thank yeah, you. But you have a little more like order. I think it comes from being a mom. Like you're not as like like off the rails. You're more structured and you're fun. Wouldn't you say? No, I'm a oh. wild and crazy kind of girl. Okay. No, I guess I haven't really seen you drink more than one drink at a time. Guys are so judgmental. No, just come on, Kim. You're the big soda of fun. Thank you, Louise. Don't let the guys get to you. Enjoy that bottle of. Why are you yelling red? I see behind you on your desk. Yes, I'll leave this. Is that full or empty? Thompson, why are you yelling red? It's full. I have a good one. I have one right here for myself. Thank you, Louise, for the. Five dollars. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that's really kind. Anybody of Anybody who's watched this show, for thank you for your comment. It's worth more than five dollars to me, so thank you. Any, any, anybody <laughs> that watches this show knows that I love and adore Kim, and it's yeah. all in good fun and just teasing. There was no bigger promoter of Kim McAllister behind the scenes at KGO fun. than I, pushing for them Structure. to give you There's your no own talk show, 
pushing for them to have you fill in, pushing for you to be the morning anchor. Obviously, I heart Kim McAllister. There's no structure in my fun. Oh, that was a cute little Taylor Swift heart you got there. That's nice. It wasn't a Taylor Swift heart. It was a John Daly heart. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. You're a huge soda, Kim. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Baby Rhino. Baby Rhino at the Oregon Zoo. We love baby animals, right? Remember then this one was born and they were going to keep it behind the scenes and now apparently they're letting her out. What can you tell us about the scene? Mm. Well, baby rhino at the Oregon Zoo went outside for the first time and officials revealed the calf Mm. is a boy. Oh, It's a boy rhino. Let's check it out and see. Uh, Oh, The eastern black rhino, calf born December 4th, celebrating... A celebrated turning two months old during his first trip outside, accompanied by his mother, Josie. The zoo officials have not decided on a name for the tiny little tank, and they're accepting suggestions from the public. Maybe huge soda. Eastern black rhinos are critically endangered, and the calf's birth was welcomed as a crucial step in conservation for the Africa native species. They're so adorable. Look at him. So if you you have an idea, you could uh, reach out to the... uh, the Oregon Zoo. I love that. Yeah. Another update. And this one, remember the other day we showed you the container dog? They named oh, yeah, her Connie because she was in a container. And she was on a container ship. And right. she was rescued. She's well, it thirsty, turns out hungry. Connie the container dog has a little bit of news to share. Oh. Yeah. She is expecting puppies. This dog spent more than a week. Look at them all. The dog spent more than a week in the shipping container in Texas, then was taken to the vet. And in doing their care, they realized, yeah, she's pregnant. Uh, I can imagine that they're lucky. She's lucky these little ones survived because a week without food up there in that container. (sighs) They said for us to find a dog that's due to be exported out. Uh, when I saw that, my heart just sank. This according to volunteers with the Maryland-based animal rescue team, Forever Changed. So that's where she is. She's with Forever Changed. And yeah, now she's expecting little puppies and looks like everybody's going to be okay. So there you go. Oh, container yeah. dog. Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, she was flown across the country by one of those volunteers that flies mm-hmm. animals from one place to the next. Yeah, and uh, there was rumors that she had given birth, like while in the or uh, during the uh, yeah, you know the time yet. that she was stuck in the container. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they thought maybe she had lost her kids, but no, she was not. Uh, yeah. She had not given birth yet. Um, but we move on. Yes. That's our animal segment. Hope you liked it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> this is the story that just won't end. All these companies and uh, organizations, nonprofits, are yeah. trying to get in on the. I hate my ex thing. Can I tell you, this is this is my company that I use. So Angie Coiro turned me on to this during the pandemic when there was no toilet paper to be had anywhere. Oh, really? And it's called, the company's called Who Gives a Crap? Oh, interesting. Which is kind of funny. So you order, they make uh, toilet paper and they make paper towels out of sustainable bamboo. And it's still soft, and it, it's actually really good quality. They have different levels of quality that you can buy. And every so often, they ship you a big box of toilet paper or a big box of um, of paper towels. And so then you just kind of always have it. And so uh-huh. that's the company I use. Oh, interesting. Well, that yeah. toilet paper company is offering members of the public the chance to have old love letters from their exes <laughs> turned into recycled bathroom <laughs> tissue for Valentine's Day. That's right. Who gives a crap? Uh, the official toilet paper company of Kim McAllister, <laughs> a recycled toilet paper company that launched in 2012, uh, announced its Flusher X program and that it will turn the old love letters into privy paper. Mail us those leftover love letters taking up psychic space in your sock drawer and we'll deliver them to our production facilities where we will magically transform their BS into TP. Uh, because nothing says closure like knowing that someone somewhere is putting those sweet nothings exactly where they belong. Yep. The company is accepting love letters uh, mailed to its addresses in the United States, Australia, and Britain. Letters are being accepted through February 29th. <laughs> so and that's, if the, you are... um, that's the Who Gives a Crap company. You have the website there? Yeah. If you're interested in sending a love letter from your ex, here's the website. Flushyourex.whogivesacrap.org. So then you can wow. find it. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. That sounds like almost sounds like an email address. I would like flush your ex at who gives a crap dot org. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did I say I, I am sorry. No, I no, said it at sounds, it's not it just, at no, flush no, your ex sounds, dot who gives a crap dot org. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it sounds like a like yeah. an email address or something. That's funny. Flush your it's ex a good dot, company. They wrap all their their paper towels and toilet paper in like a biodegradable paper. And on the paper are all these jokes. So you have something to read in there. It's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, I like that company. Very cool. So, yeah. Well, let us take uh, a moment to talk about something that is coming on TV. And I'm partial to this story because Charles Schultz, who developed Snoopy and Snoopy's characters, lived in, was originally from a different state, but lived in Santa Rosa here in Sonoma County for much of his life gave back to the community, built an ice skating rink here. So we have the Snoopy's ice skating rink in Santa Rosa. And there's also the Snoopy Museum, where there's a lot of fun things that happen. Um, a lot of classes for kids, animation, cartoon drawing, all these kinds of things. Anyway, you know, February is Black History February. Month. February. Thank you, Gene. And there was a Black character on Peanuts. His name is Franklin. And he is getting a starring role in a new Peanuts special during this Black History Month. Oh, Franklin cool. Armstrong is his name. He was introduced in 1968. And back then, yeah, in a cartoon, a it was a groundbreaking kind of deal. So Charles Schultz was ahead of his time with this one. Isn't it sad that we look back and you say that that was a big deal? It was. It's I just... know. It's weird. So the all-new Peanut special is called Snoopy Presents Welcome Home Franklin. And it premieres February 16th. February. February. Thank you. On Apple TV. You have to wait for it. On Apple TV+. And uh, Charles Schultz's son, Craig Schultz, who still lives in Santa Rosa, said, we're really excited about the Franklin special. His own son, Brian Schultz, and another co-writer, Cornelius Uliano, uh, formed the core writing team of this Apple Snoopy Presents series of animated specials. So I just, I don't know. I think it's really nice. He said, we knew it's going to be tricky. We couldn't just have three white guys writing this. So they had to bring in someone of color, right? Yeah. Uh this, you know, this character came about because a school teacher from Los Angeles wrote to Charles Schultz asking him to introduce a black character. And that's what led to the creation of Franklin. At that time, Martin Luther King had been killed. Um, mm. That was April of 1968, right? And the Franklin character was introduced in the Peanuts comic strip in July of 1968. But imagine and, how important that was for kids to see. Well, there you wasn't know. back then a lot of representation. And so yeah. it was it was really a big deal. Yeah. This one, the new special, elaborates uh, on the adventures of Franklin, who belongs to a military family. And he's the new kid in town in this special. They say we tracked his journey. Uh, and this is where he, he ends up. So kind of like it. Franklin. Like Welcome. it a lot. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, from Franklin and uh, Snoopy and Gang to suspected mm -hmm. plane pieces landing on a Philadelphia home's roof. Is it another and, door plug or what? Uh, that's a good question. An eight-foot mm. metal object wound, out, wound up on the roof of a Philadelphia home, and the house's residents said they suspect it may have fallen from a plane. Uh -oh. um, let's play demonetization roulette and uh, <laughs> share the story with you here. Two FAA inspectors spent Wednesday afternoon in this backyard and speaking with neighbors to figure out what exactly happened here. So here is the metal object in question. It is about eight feet long and two feet wide. It was on the roof. It has since been knocked to the ground and photographed by the FAA. The mystery started yesterday afternoon when homeowners Fabian and Sarah Lima noticed a rectangular metal object on their roof with a circular window-like shape near the top. The object appeared weathered and rusty, and they didn't know if they should touch it or move it. They also didn't know how it got up there and could only guess what it was. It looks exactly like a plain like, window section. So I'm no physicist, but I assume you know, falling out of the sky would have gone right through the, through the roof. Um, 
Maybe our roofers did an excellent job. Oh, my God. While home from lunch, 11th grader Sophia Lima has her own suspicions on what this could be. From aliens. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think that, but. Two hours ago, the FAA arrived and began inspecting the scene from the ground. Eventually, Fabian leaned out a window on the home's second story and, using a pool skimmer, poked the object off the roof. The inspectors then photographed it once it was on the ground. The FAA didn't give any hint as to what they think it might be, but they did tell the Limas to hang on to the object until they've completed their investigation. Reporting in Mount Airy, Eva Anderson, CBS News, Philadelphia. I'm surprised they wouldn't uh, take it with them. Thank you, CBS News, Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah but if if you if you notice that there was no damage to the roof, I think I'd be a little more careful about removing it because you could have damaged the roof and the the the, the tiles. I would have uh, or the shingles. I would have uh, probably gotten the ladder. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd use a, a pole to like, shove uh, it out there, shove it off and break off the side of the uh, the roof. But um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. It, it's old and it's corroded, so I wonder if maybe it just fell off of like some old, I don't know, like military plane or something. I mean. It doesn't. It, it doesn't look like, like it was a, in good shape. It seems like a pretty big part, though. Yeah, but it was all rusted. So, like, yeah. why wouldn't? Why would it look so old and rusted? And and it didn't look like a window had been in there anytime no. recently. So, kind of looked like it came from a submarine or something. Yeah, Weird. you'd think they would have taken it with them. Yeah, Gordon agrees with you. I don't um, know. But anyway, that's a strange story. Yeah. And uh, I th yeah, it is a beautiful house, Kathleen, right? Yeah, that was a, a little, pretty house. I would have been a little more careful. But it is strange <laughs> that, like you said, like it didn't damage the roof as far as they could tell. No. That's also strange. So I wonder if maybe if it was a prank. I love the daughter. I, that's true, too. I love the daughter. The sky, I think it was an alien. I don't really yeah. think that. But I think it I was an really alien. Yeah. yeah, I kept that in there for a reason. Um, shall reason we talk about the now deployment of robots? In the oh, real no. world, mm -hmm. autonomous robots are cutting grass in a Southern California town. There's nobody mowing the lawn. It's all robot, baby, all the time. Oh, this is at Vista, Vel, Vista Del Val Park in La Habra, California. I know where that is. Do you? This is, it's called the electric sheep. That's what they call it. The electric sheep. They don't need to teach it anything. There's an on and off button. It is aware of its surroundings, apparently. Um, rather than a guy sitting on top of a machine or a lady uh, just going back and forth in straight lines, they've handed off those workflows to the robots. It's a quiet, all-electric mower programmed with AI that gets smarter with every job. They're robots that have common sense. That's where AI comes in. So they really just have to be set down and pointed in the right direction and you hit start. The bots deployed alongside landscaping crews who can focus on other tasks. So while the people are trimming, edging, and blowing, the, uh, <laughs> the electric sheep is mowing the lawn and making the straight lines and doing all that stuff. And one of the things that uh, they say is it, it's coming at a really good time because it's hard to hire people to do this kind of work, they say. So the uh, electric sheep are operating on campuses, at parks, and more, mostly for commercial applications, though there are some that you can buy for home use. <laughs> Ms. Organic says, I saw a Caltrans worker with one of those on the side of 101 in San Mateo. Yeah, they're here. AI, robots in society being used for all these things. They're and it among looks, us. It might look like a lawnmower. I'm not saying it's aliens. <laughs> I don't really think that. Um, okay, so it might look like a lawnmower to you, but it's AI. It gets smarter with every job. I'm just saying, first it's the lawn. Yeah. Next. Heather agrees. Mm, I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you have a self-learning autonomous robot with razor, razor sharp blades on them, they say safety is a bit of a concern. But the robots uh, are getting upgraded every, you know, every so often and they're learning and they're mowing. Yeah. Upgrading, Pretty soon, it's going to be us versus an army of lawn mowing robots. Yeah. I saw a smaller version of this um, in Copenhagen when I was there, mm. and it was um, at a park, and it was uh, it was meticulously going back like a Roomba mm -hmm. and just kind of like uh, and trimming trimming the grass. So they're yeah. here. They're. Uh, I mean, they're why would we do it if we can have that thing do it for us, right? Right.
Yeah. Very cool. Um, or should we? <laughs> or, I mean, look at the look at the front of it. It looks like almost. I know it's a light thing, but it almost looks like a face. It oh, looks a little evil, like ominous. It. Yeah. 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 Do, do, do. Hmm. Today, I could see how that thing could be evil. Tomorrow, oh yeah, I could feet. see it. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my I way, know. human. Absolutely. Uh, we do cover a lot of AI robots, but we also like to uh, really cover shipwrecks. Mysterious oh. shipwreck washes up on snowy Canada shores, prompting race to salvage the vessel before being pummeled by the ocean. That's right. This uh, shipwreck, believed to date from the 19th century, has washed up on the snow-covered shores of Canada's Atlantic Island province of Newfoundland, attracting a bevy of onlookers and archaeologists probing its mysterious past. Mm. Now local residents and scientists are racing to study and preserve the wreck before it disappears back into the sea. Over the past weekend, a team of archaeologists and volunteers rushed to recover parts of the 100-foot-long ship in Cape Ray before tides take it back into the ocean's depths. They managed to extract wooden planks, uh, metal sheathing from the keel, and other bits that may have uh, maybe sent to a laboratory for analysis. Uh, they were hoping to identify the wood species and age of the wood to identify the makeup of the metal. Uh, maybe part of it fell on a guy's house in Philadelphia. Uh, those things will give us clues as to its age and origin, according to archaeologist Jamie Brake. Uh, it is a dangerous spot. It's being pummeled by the ocean and so on, so it's not ideal conditions to try to learn more from it at the site itself, adding that it will probably take months for any results at the laboratory tests. Located on the shores of J.T. Cheeseman Provincial Park on the southwest tip of Newfoundland, the wreck was discovered in late January in an area known for its numerous shallow rocks on which many ships have run aground over the centuries. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It is really cool. Old stuff is so interesting. Speaking of old stuff, Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Curtsy and a bow. Because I'm the yard duty, keeping us on track. Researchers have revealed the first full passages decoded from this famous Herculaneum scroll. This thing is old. 2,000 years ago, it somehow managed to make its way uh, into an area that um, it was found, what, just a, a few years ago, but it was in a charged state. It was, it survived the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in AD 79. And when people tried to, after the scroll was found, if you tried to unroll it, it was kind of crumbling, right? I mean, there was mm. nothing you could do. Whatever was, might've been preserved inside would have just been crumbly and fallen away and history would have been lost. It's amazing that somebody looked at that and thought that's an ancient scroll. Right. Yeah, it's true. It, I would have thought maybe it was, I don't like, know, a branch or something. Part of a log from a fire. Yeah. But they used computer technology and advanced AI, and now they can analyze the Herculaneum scrolls without unrolling and risking damage to the very fragile documents. What they found is more than 2,000 characters, the first full passages deciphered from this scroll, this according to an announcement by computer scientists this week who launched the Vesuvius Challenge. It's a competition to accelerate the discoveries made on the scrolls. The first word to be read from an unopened scroll was found separately by a couple of computer scientists at the University of Nebraska and a, a biorobotics graduate student at Frey University in Berlin. Um, another student... Uh, a robotics student in Zurich, all three of them won the contest 700,000 grand prize for being the first team to decipher more than 85% of the characters from four continuous passages within this scroll. Very so cool. what does it say in this scroll that's 2,000 years old? Words from an ancient philosopher. More than, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, I thought yep. I was going to say, oh, crap, volcano. The re <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duck and cover. The recently decoded passages were pulled from the end of the scroll. They reveal words written by philosopher Philodemus, 
who was believed to be the uh, the philosopher in residence working at the library in which the scrolls were found. In the deciphered text, Philodemus writes on pleasure and whether the abundance of goods available can affect the amount of pleasure that they give. As to, this is the quote, as to, in the case of food, we do not right away believe things that are scarce to be absolutely more pleasant than those which are abundant. That's the first sentence. Uh, they say Philodemus was dismissed over the years because we couldn't really read his passages extensively. Only with difficulty we get these little snippets. He's persuading the people who are listening to him to sort of relax, find good friendships, spend your time living in the moment and enjoying the pleasures. So, Wow, the pleasures. Yeah. I wonder if they use like a robotic like meat slicer to open this up, you know? Maybe the, the cousin know. to the uh, electronic... Uh, grass mower i don't think they i don't think they opened it i think it's all it's all they, just scanned from the it's all scanned and they found a way to you know pull the scans apart somehow and make it legible donald yeah. says um that it could be an ancient turd it looks like it you're right about how they knew it was a scroll it must have been found in a place with other scrolls maybe i don't know yeah interesting, interesting. yeah interesting interesting mm. You know it's what else all is about interesting? pleasure. Even back then, it was about pleasure. You know what else is interesting? Mm. Your duty. What time is it? Your duty. Time for a break. That is a time for a break. And everybody, you know back to everybody. Take recess. We're back to class in three, two. Hey, everybody! It's your friend Satan. Love me or hate me, the After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute 10, 15, 20 dollars, 666 dollars, it would keep this party very, very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil, but Come on, guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul. <laughs> A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The after party, live. Oh, Satan always brings the fun to the after party. Gordon says, hey, Satan, go back to hell where you belong. Hey, come on. <laughs> I want to have fun, too. Thank you to our ongoing contributors, Yvonne B., Gretchen L., and Sharon E. You are so... So appreciated. Luis with a $5 super sticker and a lovely comment. You are always appreciated, my friend. Thank you very much for the nice words and for hanging out with us on the After Party Live. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. funny, though, because uh, Michael was saying huge soda, and then yeah. Mark kept changing it to big soda, and he did it again at the end. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be huge soda. Huge, huge soda. soda. Yeah, I want a huge soda. But yeah. I thought a huge soda was like a big man. Well, he no. yeah, he was saying, like, I'm a big deal, like a big guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it can mean whatever you want, like that big guy energy. But he's like, yeah, I want that. I want that. I want a huge soda. Yeah, huge soda. <laughs> I think it helps have like an accent. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, let's take me to uh, what? Take me to the jellyfish. Oh, or is it aliens? A Japanese mm. and Brazilian team of scientists found a funky new jellyfish with a distinguishing mark, the St. George's Cross Medusa. It would have been better mm. if we could have named it Funky Jellyfish. I like St. George's Cross Medusa. Uh, or St. Georgia Pagesi. Uh, it's a new Medusa jellyfish species that was found 2,664. Oh, so close. 664. <laughs> feet deep in the Pacific Ocean. It lives in a deep sea volcanic structure called the Sumisu Caldera. Uh, this hot hydrothermic, uh, hydrothermally active caldera is about six months, or six miles rather, uh, across and uh, is located off the coast of Japan's Agasawara Islands, about 285 mm. miles south of the capital city of Tokyo. The findings are described in the study published in November in the journal Zutaxa. I don't think I'm familiar with that no, one. No, it's a new one. Zuta Zutaxa, I'll have to add a subscription. The St. George's Cross Medusa is considered fairly large for a jellyfish at about four inches wide and three inches long. It also boasts about 240 tentacles. It gets its name from the cross shape on its body when viewed from above that resembles the red 
cross of St. George on the English flag. Oh, that's right? cool. It is a type of jellyfish called a medusa, or the plural, uh, plural form medusae, uh, which are free-swimming jellyfish that are shaped like an umbrella and have a reduced stalk. The species is very different from all the other deep-sea uh, medusae uh, discovered to date. It's relatively small, whereas others in this kind of environment are much larger. The bright coloring of its, uh, the red coloring of its stomach probably has to do with capturing food, according to the co-author and biologist at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. Uh, this is an international story. I like, like the way all you say jellyfish. That. that was kind of <laughs> sexy the way you did that. Ooh, uh, the beard helps. Like all jellyfish, <laughs> uh, it is transparent. It also eats other bioluminescent <laughs> organisms in the deep sea that give off light. Uh, the team believes that its bright red stomach acts like a shield to hide its prey. Uh, this way, other organisms can't see its meal after it's been swallowed. Oh, interesting. Mm. While new species uh, are discovered and described all the time, this one was particularly rare. It was so difficult for the team to collect that findings are based on one single specimen. However, the team reportedly saw another Espagesi nearby and expect future surveys to show more members of the group. So there's, they're out there. Hmm. They do look like the aliens of the ocean. They do. They're pretty, though. There's something magical about them. Yeah. Especially and, uh, if... Have you been to the Monterey Aquarium? Uh, I'm fixing to go here in a few days. Not, yeah, yeah, not yet. Uh, not, not in a while, I should say. So they have this jellyfish exhibit, and it's dark in there, and all the tanks are lit up, and they look... Like they're everything's just glowing and mm -hmm. pulsing, and it's they're really beautiful. I mean, you can stand in there and just kind of feel like you're in a whole other world. It's beautiful. A That's their Jacob's favorite. <laughs> Disney uh, was yesterday. All oh, right. right. <laughs> uh, some people were commenting, sending me messages saying it was a lot harder than they thought there it was going to be. What was um, our Disney trivia? Oh, huh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but, but, you're did you bad. want us to? Did you want us to make it easy? <laughs> Nothing's uh, ever easy on the after party. Come on, that's one of those categories that could have been easy. But uh, back to the yeah. jellyfish. I want the last thing I want to note is that um, since it's so different among jellyfish, the authors believe that it potentially has an arsenal of venoms that oh. are unlike those previously discovered in other jellyfish. The Indo-Pacific box jellyfish releases a venom that makes the heart contract, and the Australian box jellyfish can release its venom from thick tentacles that grow up to 10 feet long. Oh, that's creepy. Who, who knows? They say maybe it holds secrets more valuable than all the mineral wealth that could be extracted from that place. All of yeah. this with the advantage of keeping the species and the site intact, according to the uh, study author. But I thought that was interesting, and there's Very a little bit of science news. Try to bring yeah. you a little bit of everything in our mix here on the after party. This what? next story I put in because I knew it would piss you off. Not that oh. I want to piss you off, but the story in general will oh, make your blood you're not boil. trying to get under my skin? Yeah, it's getting trying to little, a little jab know. back at me. Yeah. Uh, the wealthy are cutting the line and they're doing it at the airport oh. and they're doing it at Disney World and they're oh, you're doing skip, it. You're, at the, you're skipping did ahead I skip of, something? You skipped a few stories. Oh, I'm sorry. I was this. Well, I don't know what happened to me. That's what's going to get under my skin. But now I'm in it. Once okay, I'm in it to win it. it. Hold on. Yeah. Doot, 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 doot. So they're cutting the line at the airport. You can see that here with the clear. They're cutting like the line at Disney line World. The story rundown. They're huh? cutting. I'm. I'm the. Who's the line cutter now? <laughs> They're cutting in line at the ski resort. Uh -huh. And how are they doing it? How are they doing it? They're doing it because they have money. Mm -hmm. oh, so you can cut works. in line at the airport by paying for clear 189 bucks a year. You get escorted to the front of the TSA security lines by the company's ambassadors. Right? right? Clear has now 19 million members, and they plan to expand further into hospitality, healthcare, financial services, and online shopping industries. Yeah. Dating app Tim Tinder will give you a for a $499 a month membership, 500 bucks a month, uh, you get a skip the line feature that prioritizes a dater's profile. Oh, oh, I thought you meant at the airport. I'm like, no. wait, now Tinder's involved? <laughs> no. They you have their own skip the, the line. Hey, do you like to skip over all these other idiots? You skip over the riffraff to the good stuff. Snowbird and other ski resorts in a very controversial change will allow visitors who pay extra to access expedited ski lifts. Mm-hmm. There's a, a resort called Killington. I don't know if I want to go Killington. there. Like Killington. Killington. Yeah. Four-day fast track for $199 on top of their daily fee of about $165. And it sometimes sells out. 
Universal Studios, you can get an express pass starting at $110 a person on top of the admission price, which allows you to skip the line in front of everyone right on the spot. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, during the pandemic, wealthy patients paid to jump to the front of the COVID-19 vaccine line. Did you know what? that? I didn't. At private companies, I hope. I, mean, I still, don't though, know. It was, wasn't, it's being paid by uh, paid for by the government. That doesn't mm. sound legal. Well, the doctors that had it, I guess so you could pay to get in there and get in there quickly. No wonder the rest of us oh, were like, like concierge doctors. How many days did you spend, you know, looking on the all the, the pharmacy websites trying to get an appointment, watching them fill up and you couldn't get one, right? Because you weren't paying, apparently. Oh. Uh, at Disneyland, of course, you know, you can get your fast track if you pay an extra fee. So all these companies from ski resorts to uh, airlines to medical type uh, practices, you you got the money. You Heather cut saying the a line. lot of credit cards will give you clear for free. But mm. she also points out, and I was waiting to see if your story included it. Um, depends on the airport, though. I've seen the clear line at SFO longer and slower than the pre-check one. Really? One I read another article that was mm -hmm. saying that um, you know, first people got the TSA pre-check. And then that line just started getting longer to the point where now we're like, okay, we want to skip that line. Then we're paying for clear. But now if everyone's skipping the line, mm -hmm. then, then, there's, then there's a long yeah, line. There, yeah, then there's yeah. a long line. So, Well, skipping the line raises concerns about fairness and service quality for people who maybe don't have the means to pay all the extra fees. But businesses say that it's possible they'll use the funds from the line jumpers to improve service for everyone else. But, you know, that's rarely the case. By removing the wealthiest or high highest paying consumers from a line, then now there's little incentive to advocate for better service for the rest of, of the folks. There. Well, the good news is you don't have to be around them and because they'll be you know bitching and complaining the whole time they're standing next to you. Walnut Creek Adult Softball saying, uh, it wouldn't happen yet. What would happen if everyone paid to skip the line? Would there be a double skip? That's a good point. <laughs> you'd have to pay to skip just, over the skip line. They would just make it so expensive that only the creme de la creme could actually afford. I did the Express Pass at Universal. I would say, organic, say if yeah. you have the money, sometimes it might be worth it. You know, yeah. I mean, if you only go to Disneyland once every however many years, twice, three times in your, your kid's childhood, and you know by standing in the line, you're going to see, you're going to do three rides. Would it not be worth it to pay like buku bucks for the VIP treatment? Yeah. If you're only going a certain, you know, a certain number of times, if this is a rare occurrence, if you go every year or every six months, that's a different story. But if it's a very special trip, I, I could see doing that. Not yeah, that I have it looks money like, to do um, that, but you know. Uh, a pinky saying earthquake. It looks like there's an earthquake in Southern California. It looks like right now it's being reported as a 4.7, mm. uh, 10 kilometers west northwest of Malibu. Wow. Um, for those of you in Southern California, Kim will be all over that. You know, we had an earthquake earlier today in Hawaii, off the coast of Hawaii. Right. This was a magnitude 6.3 quake. That shook about three miles in southwest, southeast of Na'alehu in Hawaii. For a moment, there were concerns because it was that people in, on the Big Island felt such strong shaking yeah. that there might be tsunamis associated with it. But they say yeah. they're they're not going to have any tsunamis going with that. Was a, a six point three this morning, and now you say we've got one in Southern California off the coast of Malibu and the wowzers. This is a, I, it's, it's interesting. I really like, I've always liked the old school um, USGS map. And let me just show you what it looks like because this red square, the red means it happened within the last right, few recently. minutes, yeah. right? It's a, the, so the red is recent, but look at that big red square and the bigger the square, the bigger the earthquake. So mm -hmm. that's a big one. I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a big one. So we've got this earthquake in Southern California off the coast of Malibu. And uh, what did you say, John? What's the, the magnitude on this? 4.7 is what they're reporting now. Ooh, that's Might pretty big. How far off the coast, I wonder? Uh, I think 10 kilometers west-northwest of Malibu. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So off the coast. Um, probably won't cause any damage, but um, yeah, but I'm we'll sure keep our eye on that it. one. Yeah, thank um, you for letting us know. Nice. Yes, thank you, Pinky. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's uh let's reorder these stories here okay i think you're gonna be okay with this next one though uh you ready for it yeah adult dancers in washington state want a stripper's <laughs> bill of rights yeah that's right uh here's how it could help them for months andrea suffered uh, i'm sorry suffered i'm suffering studied for her <laughs> master's degree andrea studied for her master's degree in library sciences between dancing naked at clubs in seattle but then she was sexually assaulted oh she did suffer at work and uh, slapped by a customer and nobody stepped in to help now she and hundreds of other strippers in washington state are fighting for statewide protection protections that would be uh, the most comprehensive in the United States, according to advocates. We shouldn't be verbally abused for just doing our job and existing, said Andrea, who has seen a um, DJ at one of her club clubs harass dancers if they don't tip him enough. She avoids the club if he's there, said the 24-year-old who would only use her first name. The Associated Press could not identify people who said they had been sexually assaulted. Wow. Known as the Stripper's Bill of Rights, proposals being considered in the legislature would require a security guard at each club, keypad codes to enter the dressing rooms, training for employees on preventing sexual harassment and procedures if a customer is violent. They would also require training on how to de-escalate conflicts between dancers, employees, and customers, and signs stating that dancers are not required to hand over tips. Senate bill was approved by the full body. This is Washington State again. Wednesday on a 29 to 20 vote. Without this legislation, the conditions are not safe. There are harassment and abuse issues happening, um, according to the Democratic senator who sponsored the bill. But with this, the workers are now empowered to have protections. The bills are a a culmination of six years of advocacy work by Strippers Are Workers, a dancer-led organization in Washington, in response to wide regulation gaps for strippers at the 11 clubs across the state. Um, according to its campaign manager. I'm surprised there's only 11 strip clubs in Washington State. I know. That seems like kind of not very many. Um, Back to the earthquake for just a minute. I want to tell you that I just texted Mark to ask if he felt it. He said, yeah, "Yeah." he did feel it. He goes, it's interesting because Michael Snyder and Courtney were in the same room and they didn't feel it and he did feel it. So that's interesting. It's funny how that can happen. Uh, seven miles northwest of Malibu, eight miles southwest of Westlake, uh, eight miles, <clears throat> pardon me, south-southwest of Thousand Oaks, nine miles from Agora Hills. This one was uh, 8.6 miles deep. So, yeah. Uh, and they've, they've downgraded it to a magnitude 4.5. Yeah, there that's like I said, the initial reports, because it usually yeah. gets adjusted when they um, confirm it. Mm -hmm. using multiple sites a mindy lee saying that is a jiggle well jiggler it was a hopefully it wasn't the kind of jiggle they have out at the villages not that kind of jiggling going on at the strip clubs (laughs) in washington but uh what about uh jiggling your nicotine well this is interesting have you heard of this product zin z-y-n zin no these are nicotine pouches. You can see they kind of look like that. Oh, I've the... seen nicotine pouches before. Have you? <laughs> I Not have, in this man. country, though. No, in Scandinavia, they're all the rage. They look to me like those pouches that are that come in the you know seaweed or shoe yeah. boxes that have the silica gel in them. Oh, right, right. The desiccants. Yeah. So yeah, they these are little pouches. Don't put those in your mouth. No, them. don't put any of it in your mouth. <laughs> that's a that's a drop. Americans, though, appear to have now tossed the vapes aside for the pouches. This is a new addiction. Sweden, like two years ago, Sweden and Mm. and I think Denmark, and it's like um, it's like uh, chewing tobacco. The way they put it under their gum, Mm -hmm. it's just gross. But it doesn't have any tobacco in it. It is a tobacco-free nicotine pouch product that has exploded in sales over the last year. Philip Morris International, always finding a way to screw us up. They say they've (laughs) shipped about 350 million cans of Zin in 2023. That's a 62% growth compared to the previous year. The growth of Zin is expected this year with the company looking to ship more than 520 million cans of this crap. I'm telling you. It's a cultural sensation attracting the attention of Gen Z consumers who have become loyal buyers of this product. It's aimed at people 21 and up who already use nicotine. 
the company says we follow the law, we voluntarily do more than regulations require, we age gate our digital channels to 21 plus. We what don't was the name use of the product again? Zin, Z-Y-N. Sounds a lot like Zin. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> we don't use social media influencers in the United States. We regularly request the removal of inappropriate content online. But it's cheap to nicotine yourself up via pouch. Five bucks for about 15 pouches and a variety of flavors. The nicotine is absorbed into your gum and lip over an hour. Yeah, it's gross. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says what we know. Nicotine is very addictive. It can harm young people's developing brains. And... They say the popularity growth of Zen, though, could face some difficulties from, especially from the U.S. government, because by law, anyone who sells non-tobacco nicotine has to comply with FDA regulations, and that means not selling to anyone under 21, not giving away samples, not making claims that your products are less harmful than cigarettes without authorization from the FDA. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer already urging the FTC and the FDA to investigate how Zinn is being marketed to young people. He says, I'm delivering a warning to parents because these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids, teenagers, and even lower. And they use social media to hook them. Zinn, he said, is our next battle. Watch out for it. I'm telling you. Watch out for the Zen. I'll Um, I'll be the yard duty on this one. Absolutely. I don't want my kids doing that. That, you know, you see people that do the tobacco in their lip and stuff, and then all of a sudden they have half their tongue is missing because they have oral cancer. Yeah, oral cancer. There was a coach, uh, I think a baseball coach at Casa Grande who like lost his face. I don't know if he died from cancer, but it's like, it's so, all of this, come on. Um, Speaking of things that are not palatable. A British broadcaster, Piers Morgan, is giving up his live daily hour-long new, uh, evening news program. I'd for like a... to. Can I just give that 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 um, you know, that lead-in to you? That was that was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he's giving up his lo- hour-long evening news show for a YouTube-first, digitally native broadcast consisting of heated debates, sprawling interviews, and spicy monologues. Mm. I've just decided that I no longer want to create my show for linear television. I just want to go full digital globally, Morgan told uh, Semaphore in a Zoom interview during his ride home from the studio Wednesday. Uh, and then in parentheses, it says, I suggested he turn the phone camera off. And uh, this is during a Zoom call since he was in the car. And uh, Piers responded, I don't know how to do that. I just like that the uh, author included that in parentheses. <laughs> but I don't think the author likes him either. He just finished his second to last live broadcast of the Piers Morgan Uncensored show on Talk TV a British television channel owned by News UK. That's the subsidiary of the Murdoch Family's News Corp. That's right. There's something quite. Um, uh, there's something about the show, like mine, still trying to create old-fashioned TV for a pre-scheduled uh, time slot each night for a relatively small audience. I think that's really what's going on, right? It's just too small for TV, uh, and we're getting such gigantic audiences digitally. Um, uh, I, I put the story in there because. You know, we we moved to YouTube, and now Piers Morgan's moved to YouTube. Times are getting yeah. tough for these big TV people, right? Welcome, welcome aboard. Yeah, I don't um, know. He th- says a lot of things that I think make him, as you say, unpalatable to the mass. He's not viewers. a likable. He's not a likable no, person. He Even really when isn't. he's right on the issue, it's like you still think he's just a smug little bleep. Bleep. Uh, anyway, bleep, bleep, uh, he's asking you to like and subscribe. Are we going to do that? Like and subscribe? No. Not not for him. I don't think we are going to. His Is recent interview was viewed uh, viewed by more than 50,000 people mm. on Talk TV. Maybe they were hate watching, um, but m- more than five times as many on YouTube. Hmm. So, but I mean, it's an international audience on YouTube. So, well, you know, from here to the moon. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move now to uh, entertainment news. Did you see, by the way, SF Gate has this, I think it's because of the whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift relationship, Mm -hmm. that somehow the attention is now taken off of the football players and put onto their significant others. And so SF Gate has their own list of all the players' wives. 
and girlfriends. And they go through each one and they tell you, he's a small soda. Yes, he's very, he's a teeny tiny soda. They go through all of the, uh, the wives, not all of them, but many of the wives and say what their careers are and how they met and how long they've been dating. Uh, it feels kind of 1950s to me, this article mm. in the SF Gate. I still read it, though. Yeah. I like that you didn't <laughs> consider the Piers Morgan story entertainment news because he said we're moving to entertainment news. So oh. I like what you did there. <laughs> he doesn't entertain he's not, me. He's not entertaining. He's not entertaining. No, no. Oh. Um, yeah, it looks like most people in the chat uh, didn't like him either. No. He's vile. What a twat. He's it turns. Ass. It turns out he's an ass. I agree. Thank you, Pauline. Uh, he's only about trashing people. That's right. He is. Yeah. As we trash him. <laughs> well, I mean, all oh, the irony. You put yourself out there and you act like that, then, you know, yeah. people can have their opinions. That's like our opinion, man. Um, moving on to health news uh, running sober versus high, how weed affects your workout. <laughs> people smoke cannabis, f uh, they smoke cannabis for a variety of reasons, uh, including for pleasure and to unwind. Now, new research has found, oh, you know, these researchers are like, I got to do a study. I'll be back. Uh, new research has found another benefit. Getting high can make exercise more enjoyable. Really? The study included more than three dozen runners who were very excited to join the study, who were experienced cannabis users. Um, you know what that means. Uh, they stay at home and they, they get baked. Um, when they smoked or vaped marijuana before exercising on a treadmill, they enjoyed the running experience more with a greater sense of euphoric runner's high compared to when they ran sober. The notion of weed smokers as exercisers defies stereotypes. Many people associate marijuana with laziness and lack of motivation. Mm. But past research has suggested that many frequent users of cannabis also happen to be people who frequently exercise. Um, oh. This team at uh, University of Colorado Boulder, uh, they said that initially they began studying the issue because they wanted to understand how the legalization of cannabis would affect public health. At the time, they theorized that legislation might worsen the obesity epidemic. Uh, epidemic in the United States, but initial research suggested cannabis users might be more active than expected. The team gathered information using surveys of marijuana users and found that many of, of those who responded, I'm guessing they didn't all respond, um, believed marijuana <laughs> motivated them to be more physically active and that it not only increased their enjoyment while working out, but it also enhanced their recovery. The idea that there's something that we could add for people to help them enjoy their physical activity uh, more is actually pretty important from a public health perspective. Uh, the more people who enjoy physical activity, the more likely they are to do it again. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. So moral of the story, get high before you work out. <laughs> Stay at home and run on a <laughs> treadmill. Stay at home, get baked, do a little exercise. I don't know. Well, this isn't as happy a story as that. But it turns out she looks that happy. there might be a... I don't know. She's hot is what she is. She's a hot lady. <laughs> it turns out there might be a link I between... Like <laughs> She's from your zone. <laughs> might be a link between depression and body temperature. Oh, depression. The, she's not yeah. happy. No, she's not happy. She's hot, but not happy. Uh, to better treat and prevent depression, we need to understand more about the brains and bodies in which it happens, right? So there have been a handful of studies between linking the depressive symptoms and body temperature, but the sample sizes were really too small for them to be taken very seriously. So UCSF researchers analyzed data from 20,000 people or more, like 20,880. 20, and they did this over seven months, and they confirmed those with depression tend to have higher body temperatures. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Mm-hmm. The... But I've been feeling kind of down lately. <laughs> well, now we know why, Satan. Uh, this study involved participants from 106 countries. They say it's not enough to show still that a higher body temperature is definitively causing depression or that depression is leading to the warming up of the body. That can't be definitively stated, but it does suggest that there is a connection worth investigating here. It could be something as simple as keeping you cool 
would tackle the symptoms of depression. And if that's true, that has the potential to help millions of people around the world. Something so easy. How could we have missed it all this time, right? But this particular study, to the knowledge of the folks at UCSF, is the largest to date to examine the association between body temperature and assessed uh, using both self-report methods and wearable sensors and depressive symptoms in a geographically broad sample. They don't know exactly why this is linked up. Uh, it might be depression is tied to metabolic processes that generate extra heat or tied to cooling biological functions that aren't operating properly, or maybe it's a common shared cause like mental stress or inflammation that impacts your body temperature and depressive symptoms separately. But they, what they say is it's something future studies should look into that this is um, kind of lays the groundwork for more studies to figure out why the why this link is happening. Wow. Yeah. Talk about global warming. <laughs> okay, I have a doozy to, to close out the show. You ready for okay, it? Okay, uh, yeah. Sex slaves, cloned babies, and naked alien worship inside a UFO cult led by Prophet what? Rael, who bedded thousands of women. Oh. To his devoted followers, what are, can I, he what is am a I looking, messenger. Satan, what am I looking at here? Is this a, some type of sex romp? Oh, well, we're we're getting there, but this mm. is this is this is the uh, this is the cult. To oh. his devoted followers, he is a messenger oh. from the true creators of humankind, the alien race of Elohim, who was sent as a prophet after being abducted by UFO in the eight, in the mountains of France in 1973. No, but to others, no, no. <laughs> Claude, Claude Vorohan, uh, who calls himself Rael, of course. How do you take that guy seriously? He looks like Gallagher, the watermelon-smashing <laughs> comedian. Look at him. He is uh, To others, he is a dangerous cult leader and a sex maniac who uses his power to bed women and claims to be uh, behind the world's first cloned baby. Oh, that's right. The story mm. just keeps getting worse. In mass, sensual meditation sessions that followers of Rielism, which was sent up, set up in 1974, are encouraged to strip naked and pleasure themselves, and men persuade female partners to have sex with other group members in order to become more fulfilled. The French group has also been accused of encouraging child sexual abuse, that's not cool, oh, no, through its no. doctrines after two Rielians raped an 11-year-old girl no. um, in France, allegedly with her mother's uh, with their mother's permission. Yikes. At its height, the religious sect claimed to have 60,000 members and are still thriving uh, in Canada, Africa, and Japan, where the 78-year-old leader currently lives. Now, many who still follow Rael, who claims to have dined with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, this is a who's who. He dined with Jesus, Moses, and Mohammed during a second abduction, have defended his teachings in a new Netflix documentary available today. But Rael, the alien prophet, also hears from disillusioned former members who say that the religion ruined their lives and from an undercover journalist who claims the leader made women his sex slaves and was addicted to female submission. Rael seemed almost proud of the number of his conquests. Uh, according to a former disciple, Dominic Marson, he would often talk about sleeping with hundreds, even thousands of women as if he was really proud. It was strange to be around that. He would openly brag about sleeping with this person or that person. Former believer Dominique saint Hilaire, uh says that she was manipulated by Rael, adding, I never realized the cult could be dangerous. Uh, but when you're inside it, you don't know that you're being manipulated. Mm. Um yeah, so he claimed he was abducted by a UFO in the mountains of France in 1973. Uh, stories of UFO sightings in rural France were at an all-time high in the early, in the early 1970s with over 10,000 reports. Uh, he began to appear on French television with tall tales of a close encounter near his home uh, in Clermont. Uh, he had short-lived careers as a singer and a test driver for a racing car magazine. And in 1973, he claimed he had been walking in the religion's volcanoes, or sorry, the region's volcanoes, when he saw something shining in the sky. It was unnerving. I was getting worried because I was expecting it to leave, to disappear, and then I'd go home and say, I saw a UFO, and they'd all laugh, he says in a clip from 1974. But a stare came down, and two legs appeared, and they were very small, like a child's green. Or child's legs are not green. He spoke to me in near-perfect French and then said he had an important message for humanity, and was desperate to connect. Uh, he claims humans had not evolved from early from earlier species or had been created by a god with a white beard sitting in cloud, but that 
the aliens, the Elohim, had created us in a lab. The same year, he began calling himself Rael, and he claimed uh, he was uh, the Elohim word, that, that's the Elohim word for messenger, and published his own Bible named The Book That Tells the Truth, and the movement began to gain momentum. So He's a nut-nut. Yeah, if you want to check this out, it is on Netflix. It's called Rael the Alien, that's R-A-E-L, Rael the Alien Prophet. Well, can I just um, say that when you, he created a new religion, he did get the um, the you know, making women subservient and, you know, we have to be right. at your whim and sex slaves and all that. You got that part right. Right. That's that's part of religion, right? To kind of keep your thumb on women. Yeah, got that you're right. not exactly uh, breaking barriers mm -hmm. there. But uh, that's your after party. I thought you'd uh, appreciate that. Oh, as our my closing God. Story. If it wasn't so creepy, it would just be like crazy, wacky, funny. But he's a real piece of work. Uh, we have people to thank our uh, ongoing contributors you got there ongoing contributors including Yvonne B and Gretchen L and Sharon E yeah thank and you. a humongous thank you to Luis for the $5 super sticker today we really appreciate it huge soda huge soda thank you guys we will see you on Monday have a great Super Bowl weekend until oh, yeah. then yeah enjoy the weekend bye go Niners <laughs>